All right, right quick, something else that we forgot. There are connection cards. Should be uh, one in the row somewhere in front of you. If you want to connect with us, um, there's a kind of top part's kind of uh, not perforated because um, uh, we didn't go to the expense of uh, doing that, uh, but you can tear it off. Uh, uh, and uh, some of the team leads' email addresses are on there uh, in our Facebook. If you want us to be able to connect with you a little bit better, you can uh, fill out your uh, this side and let us know how to be able to connect with you uh, better. Um, we'll have um, our regular offering later. You can just put that in in that uh, in the baskets then uh, at that point in time. Um, <clears throat> there's a Bible verse. There's a Bible verse that says um, the wages of sin is death. And uh, maybe you hear that um, and. Yeah, Maybe you say, like, if the standard, you know, if the standard is God as far as, like, sin and perfection and holiness, which, you know, that's what we say is the per- perfection. Um, if there is a God and that's the standard of perfection, I, I don't live up to that. Um, if you said you did, that would be, you know, claiming God's status. Um, and so, but the thing is, is that I don't live up to the standard of God. However, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. So, either the Bible's wrong or something's wrong, something's going on. You know, if, I'm not, if I have sinned, why am I not dead? Uh, Paul did an excellent job last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that sermon, uh, go back um, uh, to, to last week's uh, sermon episode in the podcast, either through our app or through your favorite podcast deal, uh, and, 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 and listen to that. Uh, but it got me to thinking, when I was listening to this in the airport yesterday, uh, it got me to thinking about this death. And he preached about the woman caught in adultery and the Pharisees were there to stone her, right? Got me thinking. The wages of sin is death. They took that literally. I mean, they took that literally because of the Old Testament law, right? The wages of sin is death. You probably read that and go, how could they? But at the same time, if we kind of personalize this a little bit, it probably wouldn't be a stretch to say if we were ever adultered against, there might be a thought. There might be a pretty decent thought that comes across your mind that the wages of sin is death. I mean, Shoot, what, 50% of the crime show drama storylines? What is it? Adultery and murder. Centered around adultery. See, we have this sense of the wages of sin, sin is death inside of us when we're the ones sinned against, right? When we're the ones sinned against, there's justice needs to be served. But to take this even a step further, and Paul talked about this last week about himself, uh, 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 about how the feeling of the wages of my sin needs to be death. Now, somebody that's dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts and etc., maybe don't say it in that phrase, but I don't belong here. I'm not needed here. I have blank too much to even continue. Wages of sin is death, huh? 
So that begs the question, what is death? Is death really ceasing to breathe? Or is it more than that? See, the Bible also says this. The last enemy to be defeated is death. The last enemy to be defeated is death. That tells me two things. One, death is still an enemy. If it's the last one to be defeated, death is still an enemy. It is still something that we fight against and struggle against and deal with. But two, the other thing that it tells me is this. It can be defeated. It also tells me it has been defeated, and it also tells me it will be defeated. That death is something that will be, can be, and has been defeated. Now we get into the Easter happy sermon, right? Like, dude, dang, like, wow. (laughs) You started heavy. Got your attention, didn't I? See, I can show up. Take a risk. Take a risk with the intro this morning, right? Take a risk. I can show up, read the resurrection story, say a couple things. I've done my pastorly duty. We all go home and feel good about ourselves. Who cares if we know about the resurrection? Spoiler alert, he came back from the dead. Okay? All right? So what? So what? The Bible also says this. In fact, the wages of sin is death, comma, not period, comma, but the gift of God is eternal life. Said it once, probably will say it again. God likes big butts here, okay? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I replace eternal life with infinity life. I think in our context, in our, in our lexicon today, that, that, that infinity life is the better word there of what, what the Bible is getting at and what Jesus is getting at uh, about what this life is, is infinity life. It is life expanding in all directions, in all dimensions in our life. But the thing is, is that death is the same situation. It's not breathing our last, that's a culmination. Death is expanding in our life without Christ in every dimension. What is death? What is life? Death shows up in two primary ways in our life. One, broken relationship with God. Two, broken purpose. Broken relationship with God, broken purpose. With broken relationship with God, we've got to go all the way back to the creation. God created this earth perfect. And He created Adam and Eve. He created humans perfect, exactly how He wanted it. And he was, His design was perfect relationship with humans forever, for all eternity. See, we will all live for eternity. But sin entered the world. Satan deceived the woman. The woman passed it along to the man. And boom, creation's broken. Relationship is broken with God. But see, the deal is, is that creation, creation, the relationship the creation has with its creator is also broken. Bible also says the creation groans to be redeemed, to be re- restored back to its original purpose. The number one way we see that is natural disasters. 
So if the creator, if Jesus really is the creator of the world, and he died because of our sin, don't you think that maybe there's going to be a reaction from the creation? If you're maybe struggling with this Jesus thing, this church thing, this God thing, this is an important question to ask. If the creator dies, what does the creation do? Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon. Darkness came over the land. After they nailed Jesus to the cross, darkness came over the land. Now, <clears throat> quite frankly, this should have been a moment where people went, uh-oh. Right? We've crucified thousands of people before. This never happened. Keeps going. Matthew 20, uh, verse 50. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. He died. Suddenly, the curtain of the, ta- uh, of, the, of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Creation is ra- reacting to its creator dying. The tombs were also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. And Matthew keeps going. This is one of those moments in the Bible you go in. Please tell me more. The earth is spitting out dead people. Hey, Frank. Hey, Joe. Joe! You've been dead for three years. I know, the darndest thing. I... More information would be awesome here. But the creation is reacting to the creator dying. If we have questions about Jesus, that should be something that's like, whoa, right? But what about our relationship with God? That broken relationship. See, through that broken relationship, death shows up through Guilt, shame, cover-up, shows up through the morning after, shows up through trying to prove yourself, shows up through trying and searching. That's all death. It's not dying. It's the culmination of death. All of that that we all have felt. We all have felt that. Every last one of us, including myself, this week. That's death showing up. Colossians 1.22. We we looked at the very first, or uh, the, 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 the passage right before this, at the very outset of this series, of seeing that Jesus is, is, is supreme leader over creation and supreme leader over the church. And then Paul, the guy who wrote this, goes on to say, but now he, Jesus, has reconciled you to God, to the Father, by his physical body through his death. Jesus died so that we could be reconciled with God. Reconciled is talking about relationship, right? You don't need to be reconciled unless there's a riff. There's a riff, and it's called sin. 
but Jesus reconciles us to God to present you before God, before the Father, as holy, faultless, blameless. Look, look, look. If you're struggling with Jesus, struggling with religion, struggling with church, look, we don't want you to get religion. Jesus defeated religion. We looked at that a few weeks ago. He doesn't want you to get religion. He wants you to get relationship. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to hear and follow Him. Why? So that you, before the Father, the Father looks down. God Himself looks down and goes, holy. But no, 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 I'm not holy. doesn't matter. Holy. Blameless. Faultless. What kind of words are those? Those are infinity words, right? Those are limitless words. Those are abundant words. Sky's the limit with holy, faultless, and blameless, right? Guilt, shame. Those are limited words. Infinity life is about limitlessness. When we're in relationship with God, there's nothing that limits us. Nothing. Because he looks at us as holy, blameless, faultless. But this is talking about his death, right? What about his resurrection? 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be in verses for the, for the most part, the remainder of this sermon from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection and how it impacts our life. I encourage you, I challenge you to go read it. It's in the study guide, but I didn't list out all the verses because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But it teaches us about the resurrection, but more importantly than the resurrection, it teaches us about how the resurrection impacts our life. What good is theology if it doesn't impact our life? Zero. I don't care if I, if I wrote all the commentaries and theology books ever written. If it doesn't impact my life, it is crap. Who cares? 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. If Christ did not pop out of that tomb, death has not been defeated. If he didn't pop out of the tomb, sins have not been defeated. Secrets have not been defeated. Religion has not been defeated. And our faith is pointless. Pointless. He wants you. It doesn't matter. You sitting there. doesn't matter what you're sitting in. The offer is on the table. Holiness, faultlessness, and blamelessness. He offers a relationship to you. But what about broken purpose? Maybe for you, like, yeah, 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 got the relationship thing, got it, got it, been in Sunday school, blah, blah, blah. We don't often talk about broken purpose when it comes to sin and death. Broken purpose comes through lost. We're lost. Like, I don't know where to go in life. I'm lost. I don't know where to go. It comes through confusion. I'm confused about what to do. It comes through dead end. I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying, but I hit dead end every time. It comes through darkness, I can't see where I'm going. It comes through kind of the opposite of dead end. Like, I keep pursuing this, but it's never ending. 
I can't get to the end. And I don't know where to go, what to do. That's how it comes. That's death through a broken purpose. And we've all felt that. We've all experienced that. See, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says this about his purpose. Why are we, him and the people that he is ministering with, his team, in danger every hour? I affirm by the pride in you that, that I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. If I fought wild animals in Ephesus with only human hope, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. This is another verse you're going, I want more, Paul. You what with wild animals? You fought with wild animals? Like, is Paul some uh, bear gorillas meets crocodile hunter meets Billy Graham? I don't exactly know. I think more so than wild animals, he's talking about the people who wanted to kill him in Ephesus. It's not a stretch to say that they might be wild animals. But the point is this. The point is this. If Christ was not resurrected, if Christ was not raised, I am a moron. Right? Why go through this if Christ's not raised? Why be at death's door daily if Christ is not raised? Said, so if Christ's not raised, the best option is eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Live it up. He says earlier on in the chapter, we are to be pitied more than anybody else on this earth. We as Christians, Father of Jesus, are to be pitied more than anything, anybody else on the face of this earth if we are wrong. Maybe some of you have been around church, you've been around apologetic tactic of saying, it's a, it's a win-win. If we're right, great. If we're wrong, we have a better life anyway. Look, if you're a non-Christian this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if your philosophy is live it up for tomorrow we die, you hear that and go, crazy. And Paul agrees with you. The guy that wrote the Bible agrees with you. Why? Because if Jesus is not resurrected, everything we feel surrounding sin isn't death, so we might as well live it up now because tomorrow we die. I am a fool for being at death's door every day. But he's saying Christ was raised. So therefore, I die every single day. Why? Because Jesus resurrects me with his infinity life in order to fulfill the purpose that he has for his mission. At the end of the chapter, he culminates with this. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What kind of words are steadfast, immovable, excelling, knowing that our work in the Lord is not in vain? What kind of words are those? Those are infinity words, aren't they? Those are abundant words. Those are, I can go through anything that comes my way. Why? Because I am steadfast in Christ. I am immovable in Christ. I can excel in the work that Christ has for me because He lives in me. I have a purpose. I have hope. I am useful because of Christ. Lost, confusion, 
darkness. Those are limited words, aren't they? Those are words that end with a lack of hope. Steadfast, immovable, excelling are limitless words. There's no limit to those. Why do I personally essentially have three part-time jobs? I, I sign and develop referees here locally. I, um, I referee myself. I do this. Why? Paul doesn't take me as a guy of holding anything back. He's not saving himself for anything. One of the biggest concerns I have with our culture is that we save ourselves for the end of our life. What are we saving ourselves for? Well, I don't want to sacrifice my family for the sake of mission. I don't either. But we can sacrifice mission for the sake of family as well. It's a pretty bad option too. What if there's a third option? What if, leading, what if there's an option that says leading my family to sacrifice for mission? We have four boys. My boys don't need to see me sacrifice family for the sake of mission. But they certainly don't need to see me sacrifice mission for the sake of family. What do they need to see from me? Lead them in what it looks like to sacrifice, mission, or sacrifice themselves for the mission of God. See, the Lord's work isn't like we all become pastors like by title. The Lord's work for you is wherever He has you. And sometimes they need to see sacrifice for that. What do I spend a week in Dallas? I feel like referee is still part of my mission. When you see the same guys event in, event out, and you spend 10 days with them, conversations occur, don't they? They do, and they did last week. Why does Nicole in October go for 10 days to the Ukraine? Because my boy, look, she's sacrificing family time, isn't she? How dare her! Do our boys need to see a mother that Leads them in what it looks like to sacrifice for the mission that God has. Paul said at the end of his life, I poured myself out like a drink offering. That does not sound like somebody that saved himself. Sounds like a guy, I laid it all on the line. We will never know what it means to be immovable if we can stand on our own strength. Never. Never. We have to get up every day and going, Lord, I can't complete this mission unless you strengthen me. That's what it is like to know the strength of God and His purpose. And that's when we know infinity life because it takes something that's immeasurably more in me to accomplish this work than what I have inside of me already. The series has been about immeasurably more, really. 
about what God wants to do inside of each one of us. And that the Bible says, and this is in, your, in, your, in the study guide, and we talked about it at the very, very beginning, that, 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 that he wants to do immeasurably more within us. Two ways. Relationship. We read it earlier. It says that the curtain that was separating the Holy of Holies, which is God's physical presence from the rest of the world, cut in two. The high priest, one guy, once a year, could go into that room and be in God's direct presence. And he had to sacrifice for himself, to sacrifice, make a sacrifice, make a sacrifice for himself, and make a sacrifice for the entire nation before he went into that room and, 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 and presented the nation before God, in front of God, directly before God. This was a place only one person once a year could go into. We always want to be in places we don't belong, right? Backstage passes. This past week, I was in a place I didn't belong. With World Cup final referees. I don't belong in that room. All right? But I was there. We always like to be in places we don't belong. How about the throne room of God anytime we want to? How about that? Is that immeasurably more? That's immeasurably more. But also, in purpose, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus, after his resurrection, said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If you resurrect from the dead, you've you, you done God all authority, all right? As you go, there's a better way to translate that, as you go, make disciples. As you go, your jobs, your hobbies, your life, as you go, make disciples. Make here and follow disciples who are intoxicated in the infinity life of God, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. If we truly uh, observe his commands, they bring life, not suck life out of us. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that immeasurably more? The God that resurrected from the grave says, I will be with you always for this purpose that I have for you. That's immeasurably more. And that's the offer that is on the table. The question is, have you accepted life? Have you said yes to infinity life? I set this up earlier. Weren't there people experiencing all this freaky stuff of creation and going, hold on just a second. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, this man really was the Son of God. That's all it takes. Jesus. Wow. Never considered all this before. I'm tired of my broken life. You are the Son of God. You died and you resurrected so that I can have life. I want that. That's all it is. And for those of us who have done that, I die daily. It's not I prayed a prayer once. I die daily so that we can experience the infinity life that God has for each and every one of us through a direct relationship with Him and through a fulfilled purpose for His mission. Have you accepted the gift of God that is infinity life? There'll be people around to pray with you if you need. 
But it doesn't take that. It takes just praying up to God and saying, give me this. That's it. Let's pray. May I follow, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your life. I pray, Lord, that you continue to give us your life. Show us your life. Strengthen us with your life. Make this real for people this morning. Bring somebody into new life today. In your name we pray. Amen.